Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama by way of Glassboro, New Jersey, right here on BlackCityRadio.com. You know it, know it, know it. How y'all doing? Um, it is good to be back with you. It has been an amazing week. Spent some time at our place in Florida. Got to spend some time with one of our granddaughters and my daughter and her family. And um, that was just wonderful. And I gotta say, you know, Florida got its issues, okay? Florida is definitely dealing with some stuff, okay? But I have got to say, I live in a small town in Florida. Our, you know, our, our, our United States home is a small town in Florida. I am not even lying to you. These people have been so amazingly friendly. I mean, they are so amazingly friendly here that it it's just it just makes you feel good because you know you get off the plane and you're like, okay, whatever. You know, what are we gonna see today? And I do have to say that I'm in Plant City, Florida, and the people are really, really friendly here. Not only that, I met an amazing sister at the Walmart Smart Style Salon. Yes, baby, your girl got her hair colored in the Walmart. And Miss Ava at the Plant City Walmart did my hair while I was in Florida. And guess what? She did an amazing job. She had awesome customer service. So if you are in the Tampa area, or I know you probably not gonna come all the way down to Plant City from Tampa, but if you are in the Plant City area, you Definitely want to go check out Miss Ava and tell her that Charlotte Van Horn sent you. So those are some of the highlights of my week, and I hope that you had a great week too. Um, going forward, one of the highlights is going to be our next guest. Our guest is Nikki McCord, and Nikki McCord is going to talk to you about her journey um, bringing a business to Panama. She's actually has a business already and registered it in Panama. And also, you know, just the plans that she has to make Panama her home. So you are going to love this sister. Um, she is so amazingly clear. I mean, that's the only thing I can say about Miss Nikki is that she is just clear. She is clear. Okay, understand she is claddle, claddle on who she is, why she's here, you know, what her purpose is, and just absolutely determined to walk in her victory and live in her peace. And I think that you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So as always, don't leave me. Hang on the line. Let me get Miss Nikki um, connected, okay? This is Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama by way of Glassboro, New Jersey, right here on BlackTipRadio.com. Hang on a second. I'll be right back with Miss Nikki McCord. Miss Nikki, hi, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Charlotte. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. I am excited too. You are a mover and shaker and it's been wonderful being able to meet and connect with you. And I just wanted the, the rest of the world to know about you too. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So 
Hello, my name is Nikki McCord. Uh, most importantly about me is I am a gardener, an outdoor adventurer, an exercise fanatic, and a crafter. Those are the most important things about me. Mm. And it's just my belief that we shouldn't be defined by how we make our money or the work that we do. And I'm an interesting person outside of the way that I work, uh, outside of the way that I make my money. So Outside of, outside of your coins. <laughs> outside of my <laughs> coins. Believe it or not, I am an interesting person. In fact, I just completed my first solo backpacking trip this past summer at the Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park here in, in Colorado. And I have to say it was an exercise in patience, resilience, and really finding the drive within myself to press forward. So tell me, tell me about that. Like you said, it, it was a backpacking. How, what, how does that work? What is that exactly? I have no, I, I'm like zero on adventure. So, I mean, I'm going to live vicariously through you for a minute. So what, what does that entail? Absolutely. So backpacking is where you carry everything on your back. So your tent, your sleeping bag, your food, your entertainment. And for my trip, I actually um, uh, hiked down into the Gunnison Canyon. So I hiked, it was, I, I went down 1800 feet in about a mile and a half. And I got down to the river at the bottom of the canyon, set up camp and spent some alone time. There was another couple there who was backpacking as well. So I got a chance to talk to them and make new friends. But I just spent some alone time listening to the river, laying out on my hammock, doing some journaling. And yeah, that is that is backpacking when you carry everything on your back. You are my shero. That is awesome. And you spent the night outside. I did. I spent the night alone in my tent out by the river. So did you see any snakes or dangerous stuff? No dangerous things, fortunately. Did see some deer, got to see uh, a doe and her two fawn. So that, that was my television for the evening. I got to saw, see them frolicking around in the, wow. in the meadow. But yeah, that's that's backpacking. That's amazing. And I, I never knew exactly what backpacking was, but it makes sense. You pack everything that, and you carry it on your back. And then, so, and so when the next day, so you just spent the night and then the next day you left. Yep. So the next day I needed to climb out of the Canyon. Yes. And so I climbed up 1800 feet in a mile and a half and I went home at the end of the day. So how long did it take you to climb back up? So here's the thing. It normally takes a hiker two hours to hike down into the canyon and two hours to come out. Okay. I was backpacking. So I was carrying a 33-pound um, pack on my back. Mm -hmm. And I it took me six hours, which it normally doesn't take. Mm -hmm. um, I fell at one point when I was going down in the canyon. I tumbled. My body like completely tumbled. I lost my confidence. I doubted myself. And so I really spent a lot of time sitting down and gathering myself and giving myself a little bit of a pep talk. So it shouldn't take six hours to do that type of hike. But for me, it did. And that was OK. That is so beautiful. That was your journey. That was my that journey. Was your journey. And I'm thinking that probably 
when you got done, and I'm, I'm so sorry, this is not to go all off, off into this, but probably when you got done, you were just so proud that you had gotten done. And um, I, I am really trying to work on some fears that I have. And so I, I don't know that I could start that because I don't, I'm not, I'm not an, a nature person. Nature horrifies me. I can look at it from a distance, but to be in the water or to be in the woods, oh my gosh, it is just not, you know, not for me. But what I'm finding, especially living in Panama, is that, you know, these things come with, you know, warmer climates and things like that. And I really have to get myself adjusted. So I'm I'm really proud of you um, for doing that. And I, I appreciate you um, sharing that about you. Because a lot of times when people ask you, hi, hi, what do you do? People just go right into what they do for money. You're absolutely right. That's so cool. Well, if so, I can say anything, Charlotte, about fears, you know, yeah. you don't have to get into anything big. It, it's all about what you're comfortable with and pacing yourself. So maybe you try something very small and that leads to something bigger. Maybe you try something small and you realize that's it for me. I'm just trying that small thing. It's absolutely fine wherever you start and wherever you end up. Well, what would you do if geckos is my thing? I don't like lizards. I don't, I don't like them. I mean, in a big way. Yeah, I'm, you know, I live in Colorado, so I try to just respect <laughs> all living things and let them have their space. I've never lived in Florida or a place with lizards Liz or geckos. Mm -hmm. You know, I've come across snakes on the trail and you're just like, oh, like snake. <laughs> and, you, and you give them their space. But um, I have yet to run into a bear on the trail. That is something that now, I, I have done that. I oh, ran into a bear. You've done something I haven't done then. Okay, I went horseback riding in um uh Matt, I can't think of Matt up it's, it's it's a big park in New Jersey in, in Virginia and uh very popular and we were out there and um we were horseback riding and there was a bear, there was a, a snake, and I mean I was with people, I was on a safe horse. And it really wasn't that bad, but yeah, that's, um, it's small things that scare me. It's <laughs> tiny things that can come under my door that scare me. But anyway, I digress. So, but, okay. But I'm sure, Charlotte, you asked me, what do I do? And I'm sure mm -hmm. you want to get to that yes. answer of how I make my money. And so I'm more than happy to answer that question as well. Okay. But now, before we get to that, though, you just mentioned that you, you live in Colorado. Is that where you're from? No, I'm originally from outside of Dallas. Okay. Okay. And then you moved to, so that was a switch. So right? Then I, then I moved to Indiana. And then mm -hmm. from Indiana, I moved to Michigan. And from Michigan, I moved to Colorado. Wow. You just get colder and colder, don't you? Colorado is not as cold as you think. Really? It's our little secret. One, if you can handle a Midwestern uh, winter, mm -hmm. you'll be fine in Colorado. Wow. Don't you get a lot of snow? It melts in a day. Oh. I, I, I didn't know that. I can't, I can't imagine living in Colorado. How long have you been there? 
I've been in Colorado now for 12 years and wow. you are always welcome. I love showing people the Rocky Mountains and Colorado. Wow. So I would love to have you and show you how different Colorado is from other places. Okay. And probably what I envision it to be, you know, and, um, and, the, and, and usually when I think of uh, Colorado, I always think of um, Jen, Janae, um, the little girl, the little girl that died. Oh, she was from Boulder. Yeah, Boulder, Colorado. Always, that, that, I mean, that's kind of when Colorado came into view for me, yeah. I guess. And so, okay, so thank you for sharing that. So tell me, um, tell me what you do to make coins. Yes, excellent. Well, I'm a business consultant. I own my own business. I've owned my own business, McCord Consulting Group, for the past nine years. Mm -hmm. And I help businesses and teams solve complex problems. Mm. And as a facilitator, I create structures that allow teams to explore options and make decisions for a path for, to pursue in about six to eight hours, where normally it would take them about six months of circular talking and never making a decision. So, and then also I'm a public speaker. And as a public mm -hmm. speaker, I empower my audiences to take steps to reject mediocrity and live their lives and break free of the status quo. I know that's right. Reject mediocrity every day, y'all. Reject it, reject it, rebuke it. Oh my goodness. Went to a Jamaican restaurant yesterday. It was the most negative experience. The service was so bad that I literally was offended, offended by my visit there. And uh, But that's okay, because I, I will be giving them a review, because it's more than good food, you know, and that was mediocrity, absolutely mediocrity. Beautiful place, too, just terrible, terrible service. So you have decided to, um, to, to relocate to Panama at some point. So tell us how and why you chose Panama as a relocation or business um, hub. Yes. So my life is basically filled with decisions that are shoot first, ask questions later. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I, I just have a, I don't know, I, I have a history of that. I went to Notre Dame for undergraduate um, from my bachelor's degree, and I never visited the campus before I enrolled. <laughs> so wow. I got accepted, and I was like, okay, sure, I'm going to go to Notre Dame. Um, I moved to Colorado after only visiting once. For, I got a job here. I visited, and I was like, okay, yep, I'm going to live in Colorado. So I do a lot of things where I just take a leap and I know that it's going to work out in the end. And mm -hmm. that's not to say that there are any challenge that I don't have challenges or hardships. I definitely have challenges and hardships, mm -hmm. but it's the way that I look at those challenges. And I try to see, you know, what did I learn in, in doing something? And so um, in terms of how and why I chose Panama, I'm going to take you on a journey, Charlotte. Okay, okay every let's story go. is a journey. Let's so, go. <laughs> I was familiar with the Dutch American Friendship Treaty. Mm -hmm. So, an ex boyfriend introduced me to the Dutch American Friendship Treaty after the 45th president was elected. Mm -hmm. And, in very simple terms, you can get a Dutch residency after you start a business and make a financial um, investment in the country. And you can do this in either the Netherlands or Aruba. And so mm -hmm. my ex-boyfriend said, you know, you should really think about pursuing this option if things start to get hairy. 
um, after the election. And so when I learned about the Panama Friendly Nations visa, mm -hmm. it was very similar to what I was already familiar with in terms of the Dutch American Friendship Treaty. So I eventually chose Panama after being a part of the Facebook group for like two months or something, <laughs> like not a very long time. And what sold me on it was the relocation tour, the mm -hmm. focused relocation tour. Yeah. And I really loved, I love seeing the pictures of dark skinned people. And I like that Panama City is the most developed city in Central America, meaning that if I were to start a branch of my business there, I wouldn't have mm -hmm. any type of real interruptions in terms of internet and it was in a time zone that really worked with me and my business as well. But really, it was the Friendly Nations visa that sold me on Panama. Panama, in my opinion, is a country that is open to entrepreneurship and innovation. And it's super duper exciting to be in the middle of all this new thinking. Yes, it really is. And, and I think that there is Panama really, to me, it just seems like almost like a, an opportunity magnet. You know, now tell me this. So when you started, by the time you started looking at the friendly nation visa process, you know, you know, it changed over time. So were you able to lock in before the changes? No, no. Okay. no. I started the process after the changes. Correct. Okay. Now, when I say just so the audience knows, when I say the changes, I think the changes took place in August of 2021. And where it was like a very, very simple process to become, uh, get residency through what they call the friendly nation visa, certain nations that I guess Panama considers friendly, U.S. was one. Then they started, they, they put a little uh, few wrenches in there. And so the options were you had to either buy property um, or you had to start a corporation and I don't know what the other, I can't think of what the other I one I think was. the other one has something to do with like agriculture or like a farming oh, or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, those are the, it's either like um, buying property or starting a corporation are the most um, common now that they have, uh, now, now with the new changes. So you decided to start a corporation. I, I decided to expand my business. Ah, CCC. Okay. So that's, that's what you did. You expanded, you expanded your, your, your business and you came through like that with the, um, with the residency and that process, the, as far as the residency, did it seem kind of easy to you? You know, I felt that it was straightforward and mm -hmm. the reason why I felt it was straightforward was because of the partners that I used to help me through the process. Okay. So I'm working with Prime Solutions Tax and Legal mm -hmm. and I really felt like they did a very good job in explaining every single step of the process to me. Wow. And so by being able to work with a partner instead of trying to do it on my own, exactly. I did feel like the process was straightforward. I feel like I don't, you know, especially doing something international, I am just like, I mean, I've worked for attorneys like all my life. And so I, there are certain things that just click for me legally. But I mean, to be in an international space and even with that background and just having a, a, a legal mind, I would just not be comfortable 
trying to do that on my own. You know, sometimes even in the States, trying to do um, certain things like that on your own can can really kind of get you into trouble. Mm -hmm. So your business is consulting other businesses, pretty much. And yes. I can tell that you're very good at that. I could tell because, y'all, she gave me some consulting before we even started <laughs> for this interview. And you could just tell that it's a natural it's a natural thing for you. Is there any particular type of business that you prefer to work with? No. And first of all, thank you for your very kind words. That was very kind of you to say. And no, I don't have a particular niche um, that I work with. Mm -hmm. I work with environmental agencies. I work with tech agencies. I work with um, colleges and universities. I work with attorneys. I work with all types of businesses. I think the common thread between all of my clients is folks are trying to solve a problem. They're mm -hmm. trying to get to the next level and they're stuck. And I just happen to come in and I'm the problem solver. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's just, it's the way it's the, it's the Nikki flair. It's, it's what makes me different and how, what I bring to each one of my individual clients. And yeah, I'm, I'm here to make sure that my clients break out of the status quo. They stop doing things the way that they've done them all of the time. They put themselves in a position where they may be a little scared. Um, there may be a little bit of fear involved, but I'm there to help them um, get to the next level. I'm not going to abandon them. We're going to create solutions that are realistic, that take into consideration your bandwidth, but still it's going to push you a little bit. It's going to take yeah. you a little bit about out of your comfort zone. Well, I think that, you know, by the time somebody calls you, they're already preparing for that. You know, when they say, okay, we need help. And then sometimes it's just like, you know, looking at a document and, and after a while, your eyes will see what's not even there because your mind is telling you that it is. And then to have somebody come in and put some fresh eyes on the situation and say, well, not that what you're talking about is showing up here, you know? And so that that works that works well and i think that really honestly what a great model to have because every every business has its struggles and what you can do in any and i think the the first in, instinct is going to be i can figure it out i can figure it out i can figure it out and probably what happens is businesses get to the point where we've been figuring this out for months we need to do a new thing. Yeah. And then that's when they call in the Olivia Pope, <laughs> Nikki McCormick, <laughs> the game changer, the fixer upper. I love it. I love it. I love it. So out of the, so you don't really have a niche. You just, the, the niche that you have is helping people solve problems. Correct. Yes. So what do you love most about you? Oh, I like the challenge. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Believe it or not, when people come to me with a hairy situation, mm -hmm. you know, they know that a situation exists and they're trying to get out of it, but they just, they don't have the skills or resources to kind of get to that next level. Mm -hmm. I love thinking outside of the box. I love giving people 
I love empowering folks yes. to do something different. Yes. And I talk a lot, not only do I do this work with my clients, but I, I, I'm a public speaker mm-hmm. and I talk about failure as well. And I talk about how important it is to understand what failure is and what failure means and how mm-hmm. we pivot afterwards. Like when you fell on the hill. That was its failure. <laughs> that was when a I, Yeah, right. when I tumbled down the canyon, that was <laughs> failure. And so how, how do you handle that? Did I say, well, this is dumb. <laughs> I'm going to turn around and go home. Right. Or did I say, you know, well, I fell because I was going too fast. I didn't look to see where I put my foot. As mm-hmm. I continue on this journey, I need to go slower. It's going to take me six hours to do this. Mm -hmm. I need to be very, I need to be more mindful about where I'm putting my foot as I Mm -hmm. continue journey. And so there's something to be learned from failure as well. Yes. Oh, wow. That, that's, that, that is really good. And that, that'll, that lesson right there, that'll take you through life on so many days, you know, and it's so much to be learned. I mean, I I learned a lot from just your journey in doing that myself. You took time to stop and regroup and refocus and just kind of figure out, come to some conclusions about things. And that's just sometimes what we need to do. Everybody, it's your girl Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expat in Panama, and I'm coming to you today to make sure that you know about our new Black Expats in Panama community platform. That's right, our Beat community platform, or BCP. That can be found at blackexpatsinpanama.net. Just click on that link that says join the community. There you will find businesses, groups, as members, you'll be um, privy to events. You can have you can sell things with the classified um, section. You'll get exclusive information offering and interviews. You get discounts on Black Expats in Panama meetups and tours and ITA global um, events as well and so much more. So go over there, check out the membership, see which one is right for you, and let us know if you have any questions. Thank you.
So I know that you you found Black Expats in Panama on Facebook. So how have you enjoyed being a part of the group? You know, I really love being a part of the group. I think that there's a lot of energy there. I think that there's a lot of curiosity. There's a lot of sharing ideas. The group is completely diverse. Uh, there are people of all um, backgrounds. There are uh -huh. people of all ages who are thinking about relocating. I saw a post recently from someone, I believe that they lived in Africa and they had expatriated to Africa. And then okay. they were still interested in understanding what is it like in Panama. So those are the things that I really like about the connections and the sharing that happens mm -hmm. um, in the Facebook group. I also, you know, shout out to you, Charlotte. I love the, the community that you've built. Um, I, I feel like the Facebook group is really a community where mm -hmm. I feel comfortable and I feel safe um, reaching out to other members, asking mm -hmm. you a question, asking another member a question, um, sharing my experience about mm -hmm. something that I've discovered in Panama. And I don't, I'm not a big Facebook user. I'm not really out there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but one place that I always check into is Black Expats in Panama. Wow. Thank you. I appreciate you being there. And I thank you for your support. I really, really do. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. So, okay. Now, do you have a timeline like when you might want to actually make that transition to Panama? And, and if so, will you keep a place in the United States? And if so, why? Yeah. So I have no idea, Charlotte. <laughs> the world is my oyster. Good answer. Good answer. It'll, it'll happen when it happens. I mm -hmm. think my, my fantasy is I can spend a portion of my time in Colorado and a portion of my time in Boulder. I have to say, uh, living in Boulder, Colorado, uh -huh. Boulder has less than 1% Black population. Okay. Say that again. Boulder has less than 1%. Less than 1%. Black population. Wow. That's John Bonet's home. Yes. And I, I, I didn't realize it. I mean, less than 1%. Yeah. Less than 1% less Black than, population. Less than 1%. And I, I've, I've lived in Boulder for over a decade. Mm -hmm. And... What I realized from living there for over a decade is the absence of community, the absence of Black community. Now, granted, we all know each other. All three of us know each other. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm, I am in no, way, I am no way saying that there is no community in Boulder. There is. We, we know who each other are. We support each other. But yeah. I didn't realize how much I needed um, a larger um, Black community in my life. And I, I, I was in Panama in July of 2022. And since I've been back, I've been talking to my friends and I've been telling them the difference between Panama City and Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. So I've lived in Boulder for over a decade. I own a home here. I have been on a board or commission for probably like 10 of the years that I've lived here. Mm -hmm. I am part of this community. Okay. And yet, when I go out in the community, there are so many people who assume that I am not mm -hmm. a part of this Boulder community. 
they assume that I'm a renter because how in the world could somebody like her afford a house in Boulder? Mm-hmm. Um, I had a doctor's appointment five days after I got back from Panama. Yes. And I was denied treatment by a medical professional because I asked them, what is your experience treating African-American patients? And they said that my question was disrespectful and they got up and they le- they left and they refused to treat me. So in Panama, for the wow. time that I was in Panama in July, everybody assumed I spoke Spanish, which I do not. Un poquito. Hablo español un poquito. I don't speak You'll learn fast then. <laughs> but, but I felt from the Panamanian people, mm-hmm. I was part of their community. I, there was nothing that I needed to do to prove to them that I was a part of their community. Um, I didn't feel like I was judged by the basis of my skin color. Now, that is not to say that it will not eventually happen in Panama. I am not of the assumption that, you know, no one will ever judge me for my skin tone. But the difference for me is the frequency of how often that happens and then being able to have a community to support me when it do happens. So I will um, go back and forth between Colorado and Panama. At least that is my, you know, vision that's right your, now. That's your... if something changes. But yeah. Well, I mean, I think when it comes to, I think that the the operative word and what makes me really excited um, speaking to you and others is that it's whenever you want to, because you can because you've taken those steps to make sure that when you are ready to make that move, whenever you feel it and you're, you're, you're equipped and ready to do so. And I think that that's half the battle. I think that, you know, so often we spend so much time saying we'll get ready for that when we decide exactly what we're going to do. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's so much that we can do to start that preparation that whenever you want to walk into it, it's there for you. Yeah. It's there for you. So, I mean, congratulations. I think that's, I think that's really, really awesome. So when you, and when you decide that you want to come to Panama, do you have a preference for like, as far as living from what you've seen, do you have a preference for the beach, the city, or knowing you, you might want to live in the in the woods? <laughs> Charlotte, just give me a tent and a sleeping bag, oh my and I'll God. figure it out. <laughs> wow, you will have a good time here in Panama, a lot. You'll love it. <laughs> So what, I, what appeals to you as far as like living? I mean, I can see you wanting to get away, but like as far as like where you live every day, what does that look like? Day-to-day living, Charlotte, I want to be in the city. In the city. I want to be city. in the middle of things, the hustle and bustle. When I was in Panama, mm-hmm. I stayed at Torres del uh, um, de Alba Hotel. Uh-huh. And one of the things that I appreciated, it does not work for everyone, I could hear traffic every day. I could hear it. And it does stop at some point in time. Um, Panamanians do go to bed. <laughs> yeah. But I could see I could hear traffic in the morning. I could hear traffic 
um, in the evening time. And that excites me. I like hearing the horns honking and knowing that there's activity. I love being in the high rises. I can see the mountains um, yes. here in Colorado. And so I'm really looking forward to face out to the sea so I can I can get little peaks of the sea. Um, so yeah, I I want when I was in Panama, um, I I tried to walk, I didn't walk everywhere because it, it Panama is not it's not really a walkable city, but mm -hmm. I tried to walk in, in my immediate area and I found Panama doesn't really have like a post office, but they have mm -hmm. kind of like a, a, a place where you can go and buy stamps and send postcards. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And what I really liked is I had to go there twice. And by the second time that I went to the postal area, um, the people, the workers kind of knew me and they were ribbing on me and we were trying to learn Spanish. And so yes. I love places where I can create my own sense of community. Mm. I can go to the local neighborhood bar. I can go to the neighborhood grocery store. I can see yes. people who I recognize on the street or when I go to the park. So yes, city living is for me, Charlotte. City living for you. And the one thing too that I that I like about, I'm not a city girl, I'm a suburban chick. But the one thing that I really like about Panama uh, City is that you can live in one unit and in that, in, in that unit, you might be able to see trees, um, you know, maybe not as much in the city, but you can, but the, the thing about, that I love about some of the views in Panama City is that during the day, you can see the ocean. And then at night, oh my God, the city, the nighttime views in Panama are just beautiful. They're so it's like, really, you could sit there and look out your window all day and just have like some of the best scenery ever. Yeah. I love it. It cannot be matched. Yes. <laughs> And they don't bump, they don't bump beat their horns as much as they used to. I mean, Panama, Panama was known for the uh for the horn uh, for the horn beeping. Absolutely. <laughs> and so do you when you were here, did you look at any housing? So um, I did not look at any housing uh -huh. when I was here, but um yeah, I, I'm I'm interested in high rises. Um I have to say that in terms of pricing in Panama, it is uh, much more reasonable than in Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. I looked up the stat. Um, in June of 2022, the median price for a single family home, home in Boulder, Colorado was $1.1 million. No. What? Oh, my gosh. Wow. So I am definitely looking. And that's the median. That's the median. Whoa. That's the median. Okay. So yes, I'm I've I'm looking on online right now and just, you know, making a little vision board, thinking of, oh, I want to live in this this neighborhood or this neighborhood. And the prices are are much more reasonable um than where I, I'm currently living. But I oh go ahead. I don't mean to, to cut no, you. No, no, no. I'm listening. Go ahead. I, I do want to take an opportunity, though, Charlotte, to talk a little bit about um, my role as a gentrifier, um, okay. understanding that the prices in Panama, I mean, I just told you, where I live, 
the median home price is $1.1 million. Mm -hmm. By being able to go to Panama, I am able, I have been blessed to be in a position where I can afford a much more affordable home in Panama. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for me, me, and it's important for me to understand that the average working Panamanian may not be able to afford the um, homes that I will be looking at. Right. And so one of the things that, you know, I have to love my, I love my girlfriends out here in Boulder because when I came back and told them all about Panama, I said, you know, I, I really want to make sure that I understand that I will be a gentrifier because that, yeah. that, that's part of the definition. I can afford a lifestyle that the average working class Panamanian cannot. So I will be a gentrifier and yeah. bless their hearts. They said, oh, no, no, Nikki, you're black. You're you're one of the good ones. Like you're you you're you're not really a gentrifier because we think of gentrifiers of the people who come in to the community and they call the cops because your music is too loud. Or the first thing that they want to do is to erect a Whole Foods in the community that you've lived in um, for, for years and years and years. And so I have to recognize what my role is. And I want to make sure that it's my responsibility to become ingrained in the culture and ingrained in my neighborhood and my community and my country. Mm. And just because we may do it a certain way in the United States, that doesn't mean that we need to do it that way in Panama. Yeah. And I, I think about my clients. So I have done diversity, equity, and inclusion work in the past. And inevitably, um, when I'm doing my, my workshop, I will have a white male say, well, this is the answer. It's easy. We just have to do this. And I have to stop and I have to say, do you think that you are the first person to think that this is an easy solution? We just have to do it your way. Exactly. You need to understand that there are other people who have tried this, who have failed at this, who have tried different ways. And just because this um, notion is new to you doesn't mean that you now need to enforce it on others. And so that's what I really want to do once I you know, am in Panama. I want to be a part of my community. I want to talk to my neighbors and yeah, I may have this great idea that, oh, we do it this way in the United States. Have y'all thought about doing it this way? I would rather talk to my neighbors first and have my neighbors say, hey, Nikki, yeah, calm down. <laughs> it's not going to work that way. Rather pop than, your brakes. Yeah, pop my brakes rather than me trying to um, enforce my will or my way of living on my new community. I am so happy that you brought that up. Um, we had this big discussion in the group about it um, recently. And, you know, there are some people, we're not, we're not, you know, um, gentrifiers. No, yeah, really, we are. Um, and it's like, you're, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a tough place because on the one hand, nobody leaves a country that they know and have been in all their life to, to live somewhere worse, right? Nobody lives, nobody, you're, you're not gonna leave a country, I'm not gonna leave the US to go live somewhere that's like 10 times more expensive. So a lot of times people are moving and a lot of people in the group are getting towards retirement age and they want a better life. 
They want to get more for the, you know, more for their money. And what happens is, and particularly with Panama, they're constantly being, you know, on the top list for where to retire, you know, the happiest people. And it's becoming more and more and more popular. And then you have this whole Black sit movement, right? But how do you go to a place and not recognize that just your being there changing the lives of other people and not necessarily for the good? Because the developers know that you're coming. They know what your pockets look like and they are going to take as much money as they can. They're going to rely on all those wonderful reports about Panama and everything to get you over here. Then they're going to get your money. And you buy into these places, but you really need to be sensitive to the fact that you are making, you are really a part of the process that is making it impossible for locals to ever buy in that place again. Even yeah. Boulder, Boulder, Colorado, there yeah. is no, there, there is a reason probably why it's less than 1%. And a big part of that reason is that the average median is one point something million, right? For and, a home, right? And I've seen it in Boulder because what we see in Boulder is people mm -hmm. who raise their children here, their children can't afford to live in Boulder. Yes. So so I, I guess I have kind of firsthand experience, but I also think you mentioned Black, Blacksit, um, Charlotte. Yes, yes. I also feel like a refugee. And it's and it's a it's an interesting concept because I think that we're socialized to believe refugees are coming from, you know, poverty and they're coming from war torn areas. But mm -hmm. I personally feel like I am it's becoming less and less safe for me. There was a mass shooting at the supermarket in Boulder. Mm -hmm. Um I you know, I, I, I feel like it's becoming less safe for me. And so mm -hmm. I am trying to find a better life for myself. I am trying to go to the multi-plaza mall and not have to look for the exits to yeah. enjoy my time at the mall yes. because I'm not constantly thinking about where are the exits in case somebody comes in and starts shooting the place up. So yes, I feel like I'm very fortunate to be able to be looking at Panama. I feel like I'm trying to escape um, something from where I currently live. And so that's, that's on me. That's, that's a journey that I have to go through to reconcile that. But right. overall, I want to make sure that I am contributing to my new community as much as I can. And I respect and honor the people who are part of my new, exactly. new community. As much as I can. Exactly. And that is, that is the piece right there, because you're going to create a problem. Like it or not, you're going to that the problem is going to be helped by the fact that you're going to come and you're going to pay these prices, you know, for these places. So, okay, but we 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 want to live our best lives too. So, what do you do? And like you said, you support your community. You support your community. You be a part of the community. You know, you like make sure. Like it really bothers me when I hear you know, expats saying, you know, what well, they're only supposed to make such and such amount of money a day. Really? That's what they say about us. That's the same as you saying people see you and they just assume that you don't live there, you know, or that's the same as because you're not supposed to live there. That's the same as, you know, situations where 
you know, I've, I've known someone who lived in a really, really high-end neighborhood and answered the door, um, and, and a salesman said, is the lady of the house here? You know, is the lady of the house at home? Just assuming that it couldn't be the Black woman that answered the door. You know, and so I don't want to, I don't want to inflict that on other people when I go. And it's like, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And I do see some black black expats who are very insensitive to the the people who are here, and I feel like hurt people hurt people, mm -hmm. and then you're gonna have you know people that you know just don't just 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 are not culturally aware of or just aware of economic um, situation that is evolving you know and partly because of us. One of the reasons that I love what I'm doing is because Black expats in Panama cultural relocation tour, there is a reason why the cultural part comes first. And whenever I see it switched around, I fix it. Because what I want to do is introduce you to the cultural aspect of living here, to the Black culture that you are going to have to ask someone to show you. The other, you know, no matter where you go, I, I guess aside from Africa, no matter where you go, you're always going to see the, the the light side of history, right? But you're going to have to ask to see the dark side. You're going to, that's not going to just be part of the program. We are the only relocation tour in Panama who is, who is doing that. And I feel like when you bring people and you show them these amazing opportunities that are here, that is great. But to be able to say, and look, these are the black folks that are already here, black and brown folks that are already here and look what they've done. Don't yeah. be deceived by anything you see. Black people have contributed greatly to the success and wonder of Panama. we Built black people built that canal. Black people died by the thousands building that canal. And it's just so scratched on the surface when you go to the Panama Canal. You don't learn about the diggers. You don't that did you did you go while you were here? I did. I did. I did not go on the tour because I'm impatient. Yes, <laughs> so yes. I just I just went to go see the big ship because, yeah. <laughs> because that's that's what my attention span is. Yes. But I, I but I really wanted to say, Charlotte, this is part of you. You, Charlotte, are a large reason about of why I'm moving to Panama. Because wow. when I saw the cultural relocation tour, mm -hmm. what that meant to me is that number one, I am always enamored with people who take risks. And as someone who saw a gap in the market, who saw um, the market not being filled, you took a risk and you fill that gap. So I was already attracted to your ingenuity and your energy. Um, and then when I saw that you were creating space for Black Americans to understand and be proud of our contributions in other places, yeah. that really just excited me. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, you know, it's it's part of the reasons why I joined the um, 
Black Expats Community Forum. So mm -hmm. I'm a I'm a I'm a tiny member of the Black Expat Community Thank Forum. Thank you. But one of the reasons why I joined, and I'm gonna be completely honest, Charlotte, you are not getting rich off my ten dollars a month. <laughs> <laughs> but but, I, but here's the thing. I'm grateful for it though. But but here's the thing, Charlotte. I I work with venture capitalists. I work with the tech community. And I am the first one to say, yes, tech community, venture capitalists, give Black people money, give Black women businesses mm -hmm. money. But also, we as Black people, we have money as well. And I am more than willing to invest my measly little $10 in the Black Expats um, community form for a mm -hmm. couple of reasons. Number one, um, when venture capitalists build these boards, the people on the board are interested in their return on, on investment. Mm -hmm. I invest my $10. I need to you, Charlotte, to be profitable so I can make $50 mm -hmm. off that $10 mm -hmm. that I invested. And I don't care how you do it, exactly. but I want my $50 back. Mm -hmm. We operate differently. Right. And so, yes, they need to give us money. But I think it's very important for us to support each other because we know that we work differently. Yes. We know that I can I can put my money in the pot and at least for me and not everyone is the same. But the mm -hmm. way that I operate is I don't care if I get that money back because mm -hmm. I'm a business owner. I know how hard it is to get mm -hmm. that $10. I know how I'm going to invest that $10. Mm -hmm. I know what it means to build to fly the plane while you're building it. And yes. so I'm able because wow. of that experience I'm able to see, okay, there's potential here. Does it do everything that I need to, it to do today? Mm -hmm. No. But mm -hmm. if I keep investing, if mm -hmm. I keep supporting, it will be what it needs to be. Yes. We don't have to operate like everybody else. Yes. Think we are our own people. We yes. are allowed to operate the way that makes the most sense for us. Yes. And so when I saw the cultural relocation tour, when I saw the Facebook group, when I saw the Black Expats community form, I said, I need to be in on that. I may not be able to be a VIP member. If you are able to be a VIP member, I encourage you to be a VIP member. Mm -hmm. I may not be there right now, but you know what? I'm going to get there. And uh -huh. when I get there, that's where I want to invest because I I want to see this thing grow. I want to be a part of oh, I love it. that's happening within this community. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much. I wasn't expecting that. And you're right. It's like flying a plane. What did you say? Flying a plane? You're, you're building the plane while you're flying it. Exactly. Building the plane while we're flying it. And the one thing that I that I, I think because I'm, I, I am, a, we do things a little bit different. And, you know, I have a very diverse team that I work with. And, you know, we have had like some really serious conversations like, you know, we can make so much more money doing this. And I was like, OK, I think the money, the money will come. But the one thing that I won't lose sight of is what's happening in the community that people from small town USA like me, little old Glassboro, New Jersey can look at me and say, could I be an international dweller? You know, but if you can't afford to come on my tour, you may never know. If your first, if the first thing I'm telling you to do is to get educated about the place that you want to go, 
Panama in my in my case. And then you look and see that my tour is like $3,500. You're like, that's probably not going to happen for me. Because if I go, if I, if I get the $3,500 to go, I'll never be able to afford for my husband to come at the same time and, and different things like that. So what I'm always looking at is not so much selling Panama, but just selling the empowerment that you can do this, you know, and, and making sure that when people come to Panama, if they decide to make that relocation, that they come with the healthy respect for the Black people here. It's something that I wish the United States would do a little bit better about, because at the end of the day, when people are getting citizenship in the United States, they like damn near have to take a little history test. They have to answer questions that probably a lot of American or U.S. born citizens don't know the answers to, right? But if you look at what's being asked on those questions, and I really got to dig in a little deeper to that, but I feel like I'm very safe in saying that it's probably not any of our Black or Brown or other heroes, you know, in this country that they're wanting you to learn about. So when people come, the media shows us in such a negative light, Nikki, um, all over the world, you know, we're seen as, um, you know, baby mamas and daddy babies or baby daddies or, you know, pants down to your knees, living in the projects, knocking people over the head, stealing from, you know, people shooting, you know, the gun box. It's never nothing good. It's never, the narrative about us is never good. Imagine if the United States would at least plug some of our history. We have built that country. We've built yeah. the United States. Give us some, some credit for the work that we've put in. And unfortunately, it spills over. So I have to share this very little story with me after spending with you after spending two weeks in Panama, not witnessing a racism, not being a victim of racism. I'm in the Panama airport about to go home and I'm in the souvenir shop and this Jamaican family, uh, mom, dad, two kids comes in and they're perusing the, the um, souvenirs as well. The two only two employees in the store were breaking their necks to stand in close proximity to this family to watch their every move. And I know that they were breaking their necks because I was <laughs> I was physically getting in their way so that they could not <laughs> and they were they were maneuvering and pushing past me. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've just spent so much time in this beautiful country. I haven't experienced this racism. And it's it. My assumption, this is an assumption, is it's how people are socialized. So mm -hmm. whether those employees had experience with black people stealing in the past or not, it's it's the images and, and what they're hearing about us. And so I tapped the mom on the shoulder and I was like, hey, I think they're following you. I go, I'm actually going to leave. I'm not going to buy anything here. I just wanted to let you know. And we both left. The family left and I left. So you're right. Um, other people have these preconceived notions about us. And 
I'm a firm believer. We don't have to be like everyone else. Exactly. We don't have to operate like everyone else. Exactly. Our culture, the way that we present ourselves is fine, just the way it is. And so I want to make sure that when I go to Panama, when I'm there for longer amounts of time, I'm going to be authentically Nikki, you know, whoever that is and however yes. I show up. But I want I want the Panamanians to see that whatever you're seeing in the media, whatever you're reading in the newspaper, guess yes. what? We come in a whole variety of shapes, yes. sizes, Absolutely. opinions, political spectrums, Absolutely. everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that and that is what I hope that we're bringing to the table. And even like with the, you know, Black Expats in Panama tour, you know, we have Zoom calls before, like 30 days before the tour and then like seven days before the tour. And I send out a lot of information to them and everything. And I let them know, you know, I show them like we contribute to SMAP every single time. The um, Society of Friends, to the Afro Antillian here in Panama. And it's the West Indian Museum. And, you know, did you get over there, Nikki? I did not. Oh, okay. Well, next time you come, maybe you can get over there. It's a small church built by the West Indians back when they were building the canal. And it is the largest monument to Black history in the country. Not in Panama City, but in the country of Panama. And it is a very small church that people have, you know, pulled together to create this like museum where you can see how the people used to live and everything like that. And to be able to contribute to that and make sure that when we when you when you hit the ground, that you're doing something good for the culture. You know, you're helping people, these volunteers. Keep this museum going so that when people come and bringing all these people to this museum to see what the Afro-Antillians have done. And um, I think it's just what we should do. And I think that when we're doing things like that and when we're seen doing things like that, people that hear different things about us are scratching their head. Well, they said that they only, you know, I mean, Black people are giving but They always want to out. You know, so I think that we one by one can change the narrative. And the, and the conversation was like, I don't feel like I need to represent all of Black America. And you don't. Right. And the truth is, it's not, it's not fair. But for real, for real, on a lot of days, it's the reality. So whether you think it's right or not, like those people in that store, Treating those Jamaican, that Jamaican family like that. All Jamaicans, they they may have had something negative happen, you know, with the Jamaican family or whatever before, and they let that that incident put place a a, a cloud over everybody else that look or sound or talk like them. But I do, I, I'm gonna push back, Charlotte, because it's just who I am. Uh -huh. And I and I am. I'm I'm of the persuasion that I personally don't have to represent the black race in everything that I do. And that that just has a lot to do with the fact that um I was socialized and I was raised a certain way. And mm -hmm. when I got into the world, um this world, this American world, they still yeah. treat me 
like, <laughs> like they treated me. And so yes. I finally got to a point in my own life where I said, I'm just going to be Nikki. And, yes, yes. you know, if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. But what I want for us as a uh -huh. people is the freedom to be ourselves, yes. the freedom to be a nerd, the freedom to be bougie, the mm -hmm. freedom to be an anime, the freedom to do whatever we want to do. Yes. And I, and I feel like we, we can create that and we have to continue to, you're right. It's a balance. We, mm -hmm. We're it in a is. strange world and a strange situation. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately we can't have it the way that we want it at all times. Mm -hmm. But I do, I do like to be that voice because the voice that says, you know, you know, sit up straight and, and mind your manners and do all of this, that voice is always going to be there. Yeah. But I also want to make sure that there's an alternative voice out there that, that says, ah, you can do what I'll you put, want. I'll put my elbows on the table if I want to. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so balance. All it is. It is a balance, and I understand both sides of this of that story. And that's that was kind of my position was I hear you, I yeah. hear you, and at the same time, I hear you, and I know what some of the realities are. So even though Absolutely. you know we have a right to choose, you know how we want to act wherever we want to act. The reality is, there's always going to be a lot of people that take an incident and judge a whole race you know, on it. And we've got a bad rap coming because of that. We got a bad rap coming into places. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're starting to see more articles about, oh my God, there are just so many Americans come. Well, Americans been coming to international spaces. So what I'm trying to figure out is what you're really saying is like, where are all these black people coming from? Because Blackson is a real thing. And I, I will, I, we have to get ready to go. Um, this was an amazing conversation. And I just want, you know, for people that are considering, you know, making a move and kind of doing, people do things in different ways. And like, just based on your experience so far, what like parting words of advice would you give someone considering making a move similar to yours? Yes. Thank you for the conversation, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, this has been amazing. I've loved it. Amazing. Me too. So my parting words, um, I think I would say that life is scary mm -hmm. and it's unpredictable and it's uncertain. Yes. And my hope that when I die, which I hope is far, far, far into the future, <laughs> that yep. I can say that I scared myself, I challenged myself, and I learned a little bit more about myself and my surroundings. Mm -hmm. And so I want to give that to you, Charlotte, and to anybody else who's listening. Um, challenge yourself. Challenge your status quo. Yeah. Reject mediocrity and do something that takes you a little bit out of your comfort zone. You're going to learn a lot about yourself as you go through the experience. Wow. Yep. That's 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 really good advice. And you know something? Nikki, especially when it comes to travel, especially when it comes to travel, I think that when we travel, that we, we expand, we, ex we have such an opportunity to expand our thinking. You know, like you said, you know, the U.S., I have to say the U.S. does a lot of things well. The U.S. does a lot of things well, but Panama does a lot of things well also.
And, you know, coming with the acceptance to learn something new, to explore a new way of doing, you know, certain things is really enlarging. And also, I think that with all of the conversation around Blackset, that people are starting to travel with a different mindset. Like, as opposed to just saying, oh, I'm going to like go to Aruba because I hear they have really good bitches and water. You know, they might say, but while I'm there, I'm going to see what their history is. I'm going to dig into their culture and see what things will connect me and the people there. And I think that that's the, the whole Blacks of Conversation brings that too. So I'm going to um, put some of your contact in um, in like the, the, the context of, of this. But if you want to give us some so that people can take it down now, please feel free to let us know how we can reach you. Absolutely. So you can reach me on all social. Well, you can reach me on, on Instagram and Twitter. You can reach me on Instagram and Twitter on at McCord Consult. So that's the at sign M-C-C-O-R-D-C-O-N-S-U-L-T. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at McCord Speaks. So that is the at sign M-C-C-O-R-D-S-P-E-A-K-S. I look forward to interacting with you on social media as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time today. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you. Wow. That was such a groovy conversation. There you have it. Another amazing guest. And, you know, I really like how she took the time to talk about Blackson and how we need to be mindful of how our presence in other countries is going to impact the people who are already living there. You know, like I said, hurt people hurt people. And we don't want to be those people. OK, we want to definitely be like good stewards over the blessing that God has given us to be able to travel to anywhere in the world, pretty much, that we want to. And um, and when people see us, let us, I mean, I know it is not our responsibility to represent the entire Black race, but I really do love it when people are just like surprised that all of us are not what they see on the TV and on media, you know what I'm saying? Because they don't really like to do the whole positive thing with us. And um, and I think that's why Barack Obama just turned the United States, they went tilt, tilt, tilt. They didn't know what to do. When they had a black man running uh, for president and was able to be president and they could not find no dirt on this brother, Oh my gosh, it was like, we have got to do something drastic. And then Donald Trump happened. And that's all I have to say about that. But anyway, thank you guys for hanging out with us today. I really appreciate our guest, um, Nikki McCord, for sharing her story and all of her insight. Oh my God, the backpacking story was just like, she needs to put that in a book because it was very, very powerful. Um, I'd like to thank my main man, Daryl, Spears of Elite Conversation Podcast Media for producing this uh, radio show for me. And I want to encourage you to follow us everywhere at Black Expats in Panama. 
you know, look out, check out our new um, tour to um, Nuevo Vallarta, Mexico. Definitely want to check that out. And just a lot of things that we're doing. The um, Beep Community Platform, I want to give a shout out to Nikki and all the other members, you know, who have, you know, invested in Beep Community Platform. I really, really do appreciate it. And we are working hard to continue to add and build and bring value to that program because we definitely want you to be happy with the investment that you're making. And thank you very much for believing in us. Um, so with that said, this is Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama by way of Glassboro, New Jersey, right here on BlackSetRadio.com. I'm going to leave you with Janet Jackson in control, baby, because that was one of Nikki's favorite songs from the 80s. And so we're going to leave you with Janet today. And until next time, I love you. I love you. I love you. And there is just nothing you can do about it. Peace and love, y'all. See you next time.